A'udhu Billah Minash Shaitan Rajeem Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim In the name of God, most merciful, ever merciful And may God's peace and blessings be upon his holy prophet Muhammad And the purified members of his household and progeny Allahumma salli ala Muhammad Wa ali Muhammad wa ajil faraja Respected sisters, dear brothers Assalamu alaikum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh And thank you for joining us once again on our series, Life, the Islamic Answer. You will remember that we were discussing the ingredients of the effective learner in Islam. And inshallah, we are done with the ingredients themselves. And we said that we will try to wrap up the topic related to the, ingre- to the uh, learner with a discussion of the merits of the seeker of knowledge. The merits of the learner in Islam. And inshallah, this is going to be the last of these topics before we move to the the teacher. And as you will remember, we said that the logical place for this discussion should have been at the beginning. When we started talking about the learner, we should have also discussed the merits of the learner, the importance, value, distinction of the learner in Islam, so that we uh, make the presentation logical but for a number of reasons and we covered some of them and we discussed some of them at the end of the last lecture we said that we kept it till the end one of the reasons is that it wraps up a lot of the things that we've been discussing it touches on them and it gives them it presents them in a new light secondly and i think that would be the most important point is that inshallah we are ending on a high note it's a call to action and understanding the merit of the seeker of knowledge in Islam inshallah means for all of us I'll certainly say it for myself when you go through these these hadith I don't think that there's anything that can be as encouraging as the merit that our religion is explaining that is reserved to the seeker of knowledge so inshallah this becomes the call to action, the commitment and the discipline we need to become true seekers of knowledge as we end this topic. And of course, we also said that we touched at various points in the series on the merits of knowledge and the merits of knowledge seeking already. And so there might be a little bit of a repetition, inshallah, it's just a refresher. But this is the the portion that we are dedicating to specifically the seeker, the person, not the activity. We're talking about the person, and that's why you will see the insistence in all of the ahadith about the actual person, the seeker of knowledge, al-muta'allim or talib al-ilm. So inshallah, all of that is clear. The points, maybe very quickly, not to do a full recap, but some of the points that we covered we said, for instance, that Imam Ali السلام, was saying how the one who seeks knowledge or if someone wants to gain might and power in this world and victory and success in the afterlife, then it is through seeking knowledge, by becoming a seeker of knowledge. And we spoke about the importance that our religion always gives to both this world and the next. Yes, the seeking of knowledge is important, but you see here the benefits the benefits that are mentioned are for both this world and the next world. There were some analogies, some comparisons that we saw. One of them is 
when someone is a true seeker of knowledge, it did not even say that this is someone who has knowledge. They're on the path. They are seeking knowledge. It is as though they are a living human being among the dead. The dead being those who are not even seekers of knowledge. So that opens up a whole discussion that we did not have, and it's not the, the place to have it now. So, But inshallah, you keep it in mind for the true meaning of life and death. What does it really mean if the hadith are saying that the one who is a seeker of knowledge is like someone who is alive among people who are dead? So this needs to become a reflection on our part. What is the meaning of life and death in our religion? Seeking knowledge becomes a way to double our rewards in this life. And we saw a hadith about this. We saw the hadith that specifically talk about struggling in the way of God. And we said that we perhaps have a very predetermined, preconceived notion of what that usually means. And we saw that the hadith say two things. One is that knowledge seeking itself is a struggle in the way of God. One. And two, that knowledge seeking is better than the typical, traditional, classical way of struggling in the way of God. We saw that when we talked about knowledge seeking, we said there's definitely a link, a relationship between knowledge seeking and prophethood. To the point where the hadith are saying that the person who is a knowledge seeker will be separated by only one degree from the prophets in the afterlife. And that they will receive their rewards in the afterlife along with the prophets. And that, and we ended with this, the Holy Prophet says that knowledge seeking itself is a part of prophethood. And this is a very deep meaning. We need to really think about this. What does it mean? What is in the nature of knowledge seeking that is typical to the nature of prophethood? Okay? And so this really focuses on the knowledge dimension, the knowledge seeking and the knowledge spreading dimension of prophethood. Okay? And in this sense, knowledge seeking becomes a part of prophethood. So inshallah today, that's what we're building on. We're continuing where we left off. So we said the hadith are grouped in these categories. So the category that we're going to talk about next inshallah is talib al-ilm wal-mala'ika. So we spoke about the link with prophets or prophethood. Now we want to see the link with angels. And this is a recurrent theme. And again, all of these hadith are samples. And there is a lot of other hadith that are similar to them. Okay, so the seeker of knowledge and the angels. So a very, very quick, very short introduction about the angels. And then we present them so that we don't repeat this. And this is what you should have in mind. What are angels? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created these creatures to perform tasks in the unseen world. The, the angels are not just you know, uh, creatures with, without purpose. They have very defined, very specific purposes. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them, the Holy Quran says basically everything that happens in this world, the cause behind it is an angel or angels. Okay, so they are the ones who perform the function that in our world we refer to as causality. The causes are actually the angels. Okay, so the, on the unseen side, we can call them whatever we want in the 
the uh, in our world in our empirical uh, sense perception world we can call them you know material causes or anything else we want to refer to them in the world of the unseen the counterpart to this world in alam al-ghayb and alam al-malakut they are referred to as angels and they are conscious beings they are freedom of will they choose to do what they are doing out of obedience to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when we hear about angels first of all we should have this dimension that comes to mind as soon as you hear angels you should think spiritual dimension you should think that our world and this is what the holy quran says our world has an apparent dimension this is what everyone sees and it has a hidden dimension and we're we're just using it in the singular we're saying a hidden dimension there might be a lot of hidden dimensions we're lumping everything together as alam al-ghayb it could be awalim we don't know what is included in alam al-ghayb all we know is the whole the holy quran refers to this that there is alam al-ghayb and there's alam al-shahada there is a mulk and there is a malakut and the holy quran says ya'lamuna zahiran min al-hayat dunya there is an uh, what they know is the appearance what they know is the apparent dimension of this world whereas about the afterlife which means the afterlife is present but we don't see it we don't know it they are heedless they are neglectful they are ignorant they are ghafilun okay the holy quran clearly says this there is a hidden dimension to this world people don't see it but it's there so Keeping that in mind, we understand, therefore, that the angels are always present. They're there. This is a, a reminder for us when we live day in and day out in the material routine of our world. This is a reminder that the unseen... And so this is a hook. This is a way to bring us back to the more spiritual, the more hidden aspect of our world. That's one. Secondly... When we read the description of the angels in the Holy Quran and the Ahadith, and without going into a lot of discussion, and I think this is clear to all of us, angels are creatures of nobility. They are honored, honorable creatures. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises them greatly when he mentions them in the Holy Quran. He says that they are obedient, that they never disobey. They are true, pure servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's one dimension. Another dimension has to do with their beauty. They are associated with light. They are associated with beauty. They are associated with purity. They are associated with good. So this is also what should be coming to mind every time you see a mention of the angels. Okay? So this is a very quick, inshallah, introduction. So that when you hear, when you see the mention of the angels... And there's a lot of mentions of the angels related to knowledge. Knowledge seeking, knowledge spreading. Wherever there is knowledge, you will see a hadith talking about the presence of angels around it. Okay, so that's also something to keep in mind. So the first hadith with regards to the knowledge seeker and the angels. The Holy Prophet says, مَنْ غَدَى فِي طَلَبِ الْعِلْمِ أَظَلَّتْ عَلَيْهِ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَبُورِكَ لَهُ فِي مَعِيشَتِهِ وَلَمْ يَنْقُصْ مِنْ رِزْقِهِ So in this first hadith, the Holy Prophet says, the one who, there's two interpretations here. Either we say the one who begins his day, 
or we say the one who spends his day. Okay, man ghada fi talab al-ilm, the one who begins or spends his day seeking knowledge, will be covered by the angels. Okay, so adallat alayhi al-malaika. This is an action from the angels, and we're going to see more description in other ahadith. They are providing a shadow. They are over this person. Adallat alayhi al-malaika. Okay, so they provide a shadow which we should understand as a protection. Shadow from what? So the angels are protecting this person because they are a seeker of knowledge. And he will be blessed in his livelihood. This person is going to be blessed in their in their ma'isha. And and nothing will be taken away from his sustenance. So this is a first point. The presence of the angels around the seeker of knowledge. And inshallah, this point is clear. Because you become a seeker of knowledge, and this blessing here is manifested with the constant presence of the angels. And in addition to just their presence, which is a blessing, there is a additional protection from them. That's the first point. The second point, and this is a very important point related to knowledge seeking. And this hadith, I think, says it beautifully. The two last parts of the hadith, وَبُورِكَ لَهُ فِي مَعِيشَتِهِ وَلَمْ يَنْقُصْ مِنْ رَزْغِهِ They both have to do with the notion of sacrifice for knowledge. The knowledge seeker is someone who sacrifices a lot for that knowledge. You sacrifice time, which is really the only capital you have in this world. You sacrifice time. You sacrifice energy. And you may sacrifice money directly or indirectly. You have to give money to get the knowledge. In a lot of cases, that's typically how it works. And even in the cases where you're not spending the money, you're spending the time. And you're spending the energy that you could be putting on your activities that will provide the sustenance. And that will become the source of income and the source of financing for you. Instead, you're putting that time and that energy and that effort in knowledge seeking. So the logical conclusion, the materialist conclusion will be that this is someone who is giving up, who is letting go of rizq, of sustenance. They are not prioritizing their ma'isha. They're prioritizing other things over their ma'isha. So this is someone who is going to constantly struggle financially. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, He is saying, the activity of knowledge seeking itself is going to become a blessing for your life. وَبُورِكَ لَهُ فِي مَعِيشَتِهِ And do not worry. وَلَمْ يَنْقُصْ مِنْ رِزْقِهِ This is a very deep notion. The way it's said, it's saying, and there will be nothing that will be taken away from, removed from, subtracted from his sustenance or her sustenance. Basically, it's saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what he has prescribed in terms of sustenance for this person. How much money they will make in, in a day, in a week, in a month, in their life. So rest assured that 
your activities of knowledge seeking are never going to lead to you making less money than what you were prescribed initially. That's what the hadith is saying. We would say this is not logical because you're putting the time and effort in knowledge seeking. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says no. There might be other reasons why you're not making that money. You may be depriving yourself of a certain money that we were supposed to give you. You deprived yourself of it for other reasons. But it will never be because of your knowledge seeking. Your knowledge seeking, in fact, the previous sentence said, it will actually bless your livelihood. It will increase, it will multiply in addition to the protection, in addition to the mercy, in addition to the more spiritual and unseen dimensions of the benefits. Okay, so this is an important point. The next hadith from the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he says, The angels spread their wings to the seeker of knowledge and pray for his forgiveness. So again, the angels are present. They are spreading their wings here. There is not a lot of description of the purpose of spreading their wings. But the angels are doing something. In the previous hadith, it said they are providing a shadow, which we understand as meaning a sort of protection. Here it just says they spread their wings. In the previous hadith, we know one reason why the angels spread their wings is to protect. The other reason is going to be mentioned in other ahadith. So here it's ambiguous. It could be the first or the second. The second reason is out of honor, out of nobility, that this person is of such high rank that this is a person that should not even be walking on the ground. So the angels come and they spread their wings so that he walks on their wings. You and I don't know that we are walking on the wings of angels. But the rank and the honor of this person is such that because they are a seeker of knowledge, the angels come and they spread their wings so that this person walks on the wings of the angels and they are happy doing this in recognition of the rank of this person. Okay, so that's the first part. And then the second portion, and we're going to see a lot of hadith about this a little bit later. Here there's a first mention of this hadith. Here I'm focusing on the hadith about the angels, but you see in each one of them, there's something additional mentioned. The angels are doing something. They are praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he forgives this person. So one way to seek and to attain and to secure the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is through your knowledge seeking. We might think the only way is you sit and you do, you take your subha, your misbaha, and you do 100 times, astaghfirullah rabbi wa atubu Here the hadith saying, if you seek knowledge for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this in itself is a means of attaining the forgiveness of Allah. And we're going to see a lot of a hadith about this. As I said, this is a theme. So I'm going to have a little heading with maghfirah, knowledge seeking and forgiveness. And the third point here, of course, given what we said about the angels, who better than the angels 
to pray for your forgiveness. Right? Because of what we said. These are creatures that have chosen to be infallible. Creatures that they represent purity and beauty and light. And these are the creatures that are now praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives your sins. Who better to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the angels? In the next hadith from the Holy Prophet he says, مَنْ خَرَجَ مِنْ بَيْتِهِ يَطْلُبُ عِلْمًا شَيَّعَهُ سَبْعُونَ أَلْفْ مَلَكِ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ لَهِ The one who leaves his house seeking knowledge. Inshallah, this applies to the people online too, even though they may be in their homes. The one who leaves his house seeking knowledge will be escorted by 70,000 angels praying for his forgiveness. So this is someone, first of all, of course, there is here an intention. This person has, has this person actually attained the knowledge? Have they received the knowledge yet? No. They have simply left their house. With what intention? With the intention of seeking knowledge. I will go somewhere to acquire knowledge. That is enough for the angels to come and start this whole process. Now the blessings of the angels are starting. And this is the whole discussion that we had. The importance of the intent. And the intent is more important than the action. But here, and you're going to see that in a number of ahadith, it's all about the intent. But this is not someone who is lying on their couch at home saying, you know, I think, I wish, I hope, I dream of one day seeking knowledge. That's nice. That's good. But this is very different from the person who actually left their home. This person is taking steps. They're not there yet. But they have started the process. And this is what we've said all along. You have to be sincere in your intent to act. This is not someone who is only intending. It's nice to intend that one day I will learn. One day I will seek knowledge. These hadith are saying, yes, you are receiving the rewards the moment you intend. The rewards begin, whether your intent has to be linked with some action, that you are actually moving on that path. You can't just intend in a vacuum, as they say, without any, anything to back it up in action. Okay? The next ahadith, so that's the first heading, knowledge and angels. The next heading, knowledge and paradise. The Holy Prophet ﷺ, he says, مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَطْلُبُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سَلَكَ اللَّهُ بِهِ طَرِيقًا مِنْ طَرُقِ الْجَنَّةِ The Holy Prophet says, The one who walks a path seeking to gain knowledge, they will be directed by God on a path towards paradise. So there's two ways to understand this hadith. This hadith is saying, the moment you are on a path, you're on a journey to acquire knowledge, that path that you are taking, this hadith is saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes sure that that path leads to paradise. One way to understand this is that ultimately 
in the afterlife, you will end up in paradise. If you continue on this path your whole life. Another way to understand this is to say, right now, this path only leads to paradise. This activity of yours is an activity of leading to paradise. Right now. This is not a long-term thing in the far future. This is happening right now. You don't see it, you don't feel it, but this is what you're actually doing. That's the first. The second hadith, and there's a lot of hadith like this, so I'm just giving you the, the permutations, the different wordings that you find. In another hadith, مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَطْلُبُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سُهِّلَتْ لَهُ طَرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ A, the person who is walking a path seeking knowledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to make a path to paradise easy for them. This is less direct than the first hadith. The first hadith, your activity to seek knowledge itself is the path to paradise. In this hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you will ultimately be given Ease to be on a path that leads to paradise. So it's one step removed from the first hadith. In another hadith, again, the same beginning, it says, لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ طَرِيقٍ وَطَرِيقُ الْجَنَّةِ الْعِلْمِ Everything has a path. There's a way to get to everything. And the way to get to paradise is knowledge or knowledge-seeking. And this is very, very important, this hadith. We began the whole series with the idea of knowledge and the importance of knowledge and the value of knowledge. And we linked it to the human being. And we said in our religion, your value as a human being is based on your knowledge or your reason, which are two sides of the same coin. Your knowledge or your reason is going to define your humanity. In this hadith, it says, knowledge is the path to paradise. So this already, if this is true, then this is already going to put a whole lot of conditions. Which type of knowledge? What are the conditions to that knowledge? That's what we've been covering and will continue to cover. Right? It has to be knowledge that leads to paradise. Otherwise, we can't really call it knowledge because by definition in our religion, knowledge is the path to paradise. Your rank in paradise is going to equal the amount of knowledge you have. How far you walked on the path of knowledge, the quality of the knowledge you carry, however you want to define it. And we're going to see that in the next hadith too. We began already with this, in this process. Why is knowledge as good as or superior to struggling in the way of God? Because knowledge is the purpose. That's what gives meaning. That's your rank in paradise. That's your value in this world. Everything else is a means to increase that value. The knowledge is the value itself. So the meaning of knowledge is a lot deeper than what we may refer to as knowledge. Yes, there are information, pieces of information that you can learn. And there's a lot more. 
which is what's happening internally. What is that knowledge doing to you? How is this knowledge becoming part of you? Changing you? That's all one word. That's all knowledge. The next hadith from the Holy Prophet ﷺ, again, about the notion of knowledge and paradise. مَنْ كَانَ فِي طَلَبِ الْعِلْمِ كَانَتِ الْجَنَّةُ فِي طَلَبِهِ This is a much higher rank than we had in the previous hadith. The one who is in a state of seeking knowledge, then paradise is in a state of seeking or desiring him or her. This is the opposite. And we have a lot of this in other areas of our religion. Inshallah, in the future, we can talk more about this. You think that the highest, the most desirable thing that you could think of and want is paradise. And we have examples of things. If you dig enough in the ahadith, you see that we have the Holy Prophet and the Imam saying about those things, that if you do them, if you meet certain conditions, if you are in a certain state, it's paradise that desires you. And we have hadith that are even more explicit that say paradise desires you or desires that person more than they desire paradise. That's even more explicit. We have very explicit hadith, very clear about Salman, for instance. A very clear hadith from the Holy Prophet and from the Imams. They say that paradise desires Salman more than Salman desires paradise. To understand the rank of Salman. So you can be in a state and you can also, and this is the clues that we can only get from the Holy Prophet from Ahlul Bayt. You can put yourself in states if you know what they are where paradise also desires you. One of them is when you are a seeker of knowledge. And the hadith is very clear. The Holy Prophet says, مَنْ كَانَ فِي طَلَبِ الْعِلْمِ كَانَتِ الْجَنَّةُ فِي طَلَبِهِ If someone is in a state of seeking knowledge, then paradise is in a state of seeking them, of desiring them, of wanting them. The next heading we said we have a lot of hadith, so now we go through some of them. Again, this is not the actual heading for it. The theme of forgiveness. So you're going to see that again. But we're not starting the, the heading of forgiveness yet, but you're going to see that in some of the hadith. We have this hadith mentioned in different sources. The Holy Prophet says it. Imam al-Baqir says it and Imam al-Sadiq. I found three different sources for this hadith. إن طالب العلم يستغفر له كل شيء حتى الحيتان في البحر. So everything prays for the forgiveness of the seeker of knowledge, even the fish or the whales of the oceans. So the imams did not need to add that last component, but they're giving an example. To make sure that you know we're not exaggerating, we're really we really mean what we're saying. In the beginning, when we began today, we started talking about how the angels are in a state of praying for your forgiveness. That may make sense to a lot of us. That would be logical. We completely understand this. Here, the hadith are not saying that the elements, the creatures of the unseen world, are praying for you. No, the 
the elements and the creatures of this world too are interacting with you. Everything is now interacting with you if you are a true seeker of knowledge. Which means that you, when you are a seeker of knowledge, you are in a different spiritual state. And this is something very important. One way to understand this, we would simply say, automatically, as soon as you are a seeker of knowledge, you enter into that state. No, we need to go a little bit further. It means that you have to approach knowledge seeking in this way. You have to tell yourself, I'm about to enter into a different state. When you stand to perform your prayer, you're about to enter into a different state. So you prepare yourself. You make sure that psychologically, spiritually, and physically, you are ready to enter this state so that you fully benefit from this prayer. Knowledge seeking is like this. To fully enter into it, you have to prepare yourself and understand what you're doing. And by the way, that is the key of everything. Someone may be doing something and they don't even realize what they're doing, the value of what they're doing. And someone else is performing the same thing, but they fully understand what they're doing. They will benefit much more because they understand what they're doing. And that's one of the benefits of knowledge too. Having knowledge about what you're going to do. Having knowledge about knowledge seeking. Okay, so this person, to be in this state, they deserve this. They have entered into a state, they are prepared, they are reaping all the benefits. One of these benefits is that if you are truly in the state of seeking knowledge, and we talked about the conditions, the conditions of seeking knowledge, then everything, including the fish of the oceans, the whales of the oceans, as the hadith says, is praying for you, for you, or praying for your forgiveness. You are now in a different state, in a different relationship with everything that exists in the world. The next hadith. The Holy Prophet says, Man ahabba an yanvura ila utaqa illahi minan nar, fal yanvur ila al-muta'allimin. This is a longer hadith, but let me break it down into parts. So the Holy Prophet says, if anyone wants to witness those who were granted freedom from God, then let them look at the seekers of knowledge. What is this expression? Al-Atq is what? Al-Atq in Arabic is when you free a slave. That's Atq. Atq The Holy Quran says. Right? To free a slave, a bound person who is bound. They are bound and you free them. That's atq. We have this expression used a lot in many of our ad'iyah. You, you recite a whole dua. Some of the ad'iyah are very long. You recite the whole dua so that you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end, you say, Allahumma ja'alni min utaqa'ika min an-nar. That's, that's the only thing you want. Make me of those that you are freeing. So another way to put it is protecting or rescuing. Make me of those you are removing from the bounds of hell. As though by default everyone is bound to hell. And you need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to unbind you, to free you. 
There is a commitment, there is a responsibility of your servitude to God that makes you fully at His disposal. You are a creature, a full, absolute propriety of Allah, belonging to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every shape and form, in every aspect of your existence. You want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to unbind you, to free you from those shackles. And those shackles, in fact, are nothing but the shackles of hell. You want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to free you from that. That's all you want. In this hadith, the Holy Prophet is saying, if you want to see those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has freed from the shackles of hell, then look at the seekers of knowledge. The seekers of knowledge are in a state of being unshackled, being freed from hell. Then the Holy Prophet I'm going to continue the rest. Let me read it in Arabic, in English. So he said, Let them look at the seekers of knowledge, for I swear by the one who holds my soul in his grip, every time a learner travels to the door of the scholar, because that's traditionally how it was done. You are a seeker of knowledge. You have to go find the scholar usually in their home or somewhere else they're teaching. Every time a learner travels to the door of the scholar, God will prescribe for him. For every step that he takes towards that door, a reward equivalent to a year of worship. For every step, for every time you go to the door of the scholar. إِلَّا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِكُلِّ قَدَمٍ عِبَادَةَ سَنَةٍ وَبَنَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِكُلِّ قَدَمٍ وَيُمْسِي وَيُصْبِحْ مَغْفُورًا لَهُ Okay, so the, the Holy Prophet continues. So every step he takes, he gets a reward equivalent to a year of worship. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will build for him, for every step, a city in paradise. And the earth under his foot prays for his forgiveness. So now this is a third element, right? We have the angels praying. We had everything, including the fish of the ocean. Now we have the earth on which he walks, prays for his forgiveness. And when, So he sleeps, and when he wakes up, his sins have been forgiven. If this person is truly in a state of knowledge seeking. And then he says, and this is all, don't forget, the main heading here is the angels. That's why I'm mentioning all these ahadith. وَشَهِدَتِ أَنَّهُمْ عُتَقَاءُ اللَّهِ مِنَ النَّارِ And the angels will bear witness that he is of those who have been freed by God Almighty from hellfire. Okay, so this is another task, another function the angels are performing. And again, you see the rewards. I will challenge anyone to go and find rewards and we're just touching on them. I don't want to make the whole lecture about the rewards. I'm just giving samples. The rewards of someone who's in a state of seeking knowledge. I challenge anyone to go match it. Find another activity that matches the rewards of the one seeking knowledge. Anyways, there's a lot that we can say here, but I think the hadith is clear and I'm really trying to finish the topic today. 
The next hadith from the Holy Prophet Bab could be interpreted as a chapter of knowledge or it could be interpreted as a field or a type of knowledge. Okay, so have both in mind. So a single chapter of knowledge or a single type of knowledge learned by someone is more beneficial than performing 1,000 rak'ah of recommended prayers. Clear enough? We're, we were going to have a whole discussion later, another heading on how knowledge is better than acts of worship. This is a very clear example. Next hadith from the Holy Prophet if a knowledge seeker sits before the scholar, the teacher, God will open 70 doors of mercy upon this person. And he does not leave this sitting of knowledge seeking until his Slate is wiped clean until there are no more sins. As the day his mother gave birth to him. How many sins did you have in your register, in your book, the day your mother gave birth to you? The Holy Prophet says, the day, the moment you sit and you leave, that moment you leave the scholar, you are leaving in the same state of having no sins, of being sinless and pure as the day your mother gave birth to you. وَأَعْطَاهُ بِكُلِّ حَرْفٍ ثَوَابٍ سِتِّينَ شَهِيدًا وَكَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِكُلِّ حَدِيثٍ عِبَادَةَ سَبْعِينَ سَنَةً وَبَنَى لَهُ بِكُلِّ وَرَقَةٍ مَدِينَةً كُلَّ مَدِينَةٍ مِثْلِ الدُّنْيَا عَشْرَ مَرَّاتٍ Okay, so the Holy Prophet says, what else? That he leaves this sitting sinless and he grants him for every letter that he learns the rewards of 60 martyrs. And he reserves for him, for every saying, so this is the importance of ahadith, this person is learning ahadith from the Holy Prophet, for every saying, the worship of 70 years, and he builds for him, for every page of learning, a city in paradise, and a city in paradise is equal to 10 times the world, the world of, the life of this world. The next hadith. Another heading, you can put another heading here. The love of God. The Holy Prophet says, Talibul ilm Habibullah. In one narration, very direct. The seeker of knowledge is the beloved of God, is the one that God loves. Another hadith, Talibul ilm Ahabbahullah wa ahabbahul malaikatu wa ahabbahun nabiyun. The seeker of knowledge is beloved by God, beloved by the angels, beloved by the prophets. The seeker of knowledge is surrounded from all sides. <clears throat> That's the meaning of mahfuf, to be surrounded by all sides, by the care of God. So this is a special care. This is not the care for everything. This is an additional care. That surrounds this person only for being a seeker of knowledge. 
The heading of Maghfira. We mentioned I had a heading for Maghfira. This is the heading of Maghfira. The link between seeking knowledge and forgiveness. مَنْ انْتَقَلَ لِيَتَعَلَّمَ عِلْمَ غُفِرَ لَهُ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْطُو The person who moves. Here it seems that moves means you are physically moving. You are no longer living in a city or going to another city or only for the sake of seeking knowledge. غُفِرَ لَهُ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْطُو Before they take their first step, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wipes their slate clean. This person has no more sins. The next hadith. إِنَّ طَالِبَ الْعِلْمِ إِذَا مَاتْ غَفَرَ اللَّهُ لَهُ وَلِمَنْ حَضَرَ جَنَازَتَهُ When the seeker of knowledge dies, God forgives him or her and forgives everyone who attended in their procession. These are not knowledge seekers. They're just people who attend the procession, the funeral of this person. And this is a notion of community. And is it a community that rewards knowledge or not? That recognizes knowledge or not? These people are being forgiven of their sins because they attended the funeral of a knowledge seeker. So what is the rank of the knowledge seeker? That these people, they get the secondary, the peripheral, the derivative barakat, Blessings of this person that their sins are forgiven for attending his funeral or her funeral. Seeking knowledge. Kafara is a very difficult word to translate. We could say it's the atonement, it's the expiation, it's the forgiveness, it's the erasing of the sins that have been committed in the past. And that's why we said, sometimes we think the best way to have our sins forgiven is just to sit and do istighfar. No, there's a lot of other things we need to be doing. There's conditions for forgiveness. And in addition to those, there are paths to forgiveness. One of them is knowledge seeking. Be in a state of knowledge seeking. The next hadith from Imam al Sajjad alayhi salam, Imam Zayn al-Abideen, Ali ibn al-Hussein alayhi salam, he says, إِنَّ طَالِبَ الْعِلْمِ إِذَا خَرَجَ مِنْ مَنْزِلِهِ لَمْ يَضَعْ رِجْلَهُ عَلَى رَطَبٍ وَلَا يَابِسٍ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا سَبَّحَتْ لَهُ إِلَى الْأَرَضِينِ السَّابِعَةِ So Imam Sajjad alayhi salam says, when the seeker of knowledge leaves his house, every time he, his foot settles on dry or wet land, the earth prays for his forgiveness down to seven Depths, and that's one of the meanings, by the way, in our that there are seven earths, that there are seven layers, geological layers, or non-geological. If it's in the hidden, unseen world, if it's ghaybi or not, depending on how it's interpreted, and there are other interpretations of aradina sabatu. In any case, so the quick caveat here: when we talk about forgiveness in our religion. There are things that are between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Usually these are the easier to forgive. And there are things that transgress the rights of others. Those Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not forgive you until those others have forgiven you. If you've transgressed the right of someone else, you have to make, make it up for them. 
to the point where they are happy and satisfied. They no longer feel like they were abused, that they were your victim. You have to find a way to satisfy them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is their right. I'm not going to forgive their right. I forgive my right. So you have to make right by them. Okay? So when we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives everyone's sins, if you've transgressed against someone else, those sins can't be forgiven just because you're a knowledge seeker. You've taken money from someone and you're supposed to return it. There's no, no, there's no forgiveness happening until that money is returned. Right? So, inshallah, this part is clear that there has to be regret, that you do what you can to make up if there, these are things that need to be made up. You've missed prayers, go back and perform those prayers. But even if you perform the prayers, you did something wrong. Will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive the wrong just because you've now performed the prayer of the morning that you missed for 10 years? <laughs> Is that a guarantee? There's no guarantee. You have to do it, and when you did it, that balances things out, but it does, it does not absolve you from the wrong that you did in the first place. This is what you're securing with the knowledge seeking. This is the what erases. These types of activities that you do are what's going to supplement and make those things that were missed entirely forgiven. Okay? All of the ahadith that have to do with how knowledge seeking is better than acts of ritual and acts of worship. We already saw some examples, but here this is the heading with a few specific ahadith that are much more explicit, much more direct about this. The first one, we've talked about this hadith in the past, but I think it's very telling and this is looking at it from a different lens. The Holy Prophet ﷺ, we are told, he came into the mosque. Rasulullah He entered into his mosque and there were two gatherings, two seatings. So in the first gathering, there are people who are worshipping and praying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second seating, so imagine two circles in the mosque of the Holy Prophet at the time of the Holy Prophet in the Medina. The Holy Prophet enters his mosque, there are two circles. There are people worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, praying to him, and there's a people sitting, learning fiqh. Today fiqh is a very technical term. You're learning Islamic law. Right? We would say fiqh is Islamic law. Fiqh at that time was a much broader term than it is today. Fiqh basically meant an in-depth knowledge of religion. Anything can fall under fiqh. Not specifically only Islamic law. This is a term that appeared later in Islamic history. Okay, so in the early hadith when you say fiqh, fiqh is not only Islamic law. It's any in-depth religious knowledge. It could be the Holy Quran, it could be akhlaq, it could be aqaid and beliefs, and it could also be Islamic law. So, two circles. The first one, worshipping God. The second one, knowledge seeking and knowledge sharing. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ The Holy Prophet said, كِلَى الْمَجْلِسَيْنِ عَلَى خَيْرٍ 
both of these gatherings are good but one of them is better than the other as for those people, they are worshipping God and asking Him. They desire Him and they ask Him. So, if He wishes, He may give them. And if He wishes, He may not. As is the rule of dua. As for those people, they are learning and they are teaching the one who does not know. And I have been sent as a teacher. They are performing my duty. They are performing my mission by sitting here and learning and teaching. So the Holy Prophet came and sat with the circle, with the gathering of those who are seeking knowledge and sharing knowledge. Not the circle of those who are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's a lot we can say here, but we're going to reserve our comments till the end. The next hadith from the Holy Prophet the one who seeks knowledge is like the one who fasts his days and stands his nights in prayer. And a single type or a single chapter of knowledge that is learned is more beneficial than if he owned or she owned the equivalent of Abu Qubais in gold. Abu Qubais was a mountain that you could see from Mecca. So they always talk about it because it was a high mountain that they could see. When you see Abu Qubais, think right away the mountain in Mecca. It's mentioned a lot in the Ahadith to talk about something big, something great. So the Holy Prophet says, imagine if you had that mountain, if you owned it, but it was made of gold. And you were to give away all that gold as an act of charity. How much reward do you get? The Holy Prophet says, and a single chapter or a single type of knowledge that you secure, that you acquire and you learn, is more beneficial than, if, than the equivalent of Abu Qubais in gold, which he would give as a charity for the sake of God. So, here you have listed seeking of knowledge is equivalent to or better than because the Holy Prophet said equivalent to someone who is fasting their days staying up at night in prayer and giving away this type of charity at this quality and quantity. These are the biggest acts of worship and we saw other ones much before the person who is struggling in the way of God. Right? So here you should start thinking about this whole theme. Why is knowledge so much better than the acts of worship, these acts of ritual? It is better to the point where there is no, no way to compare between them. It's not a little bit. The, the difference between knowledge seeking, the reward, the merit, the value of knowledge seeking cannot be compared to any of these acts. 
To be comparable, you would have to multiply it by thousands and thousands and thousands to start being able to compare. Okay? The Holy Prophet says, مَنْ طَلَبَ بَابًا مِنَ الْعِلْمِ لِيُصْلِحَ بِهِ نَفْسَهُ أَوْ لِمَنْ بَعْدَهُ كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَهُ مِنَ الْأَجْرِ بِعَدَدِ رَمْلِ عَالِجِ If the one who seeks a chapter or a type of knowledge with the purpose of improving himself or those after him. Beautiful conditions. God will reserve for him a reward equivalent to the number of grains in alij. Sand grains. An alij is a chain of mountains. Some in fact say that they refer to all of the mountains in the Arabian Peninsula. They call them alij. And some say no. It's one stretch of specific mountains. The Holy Prophet says, how much sand, how many pebbles and sand is there? You get more reward. God will reserve for him a reward equivalent to, in number, to the grains of sand in Alij. This is mentioned, by the way, in other hadith. This, this way of saying, you know, it's greater than, it's equivalent to. Imam al-Kadhim has a hadith where he talks about he says if you if someone has sins that are equivalent in number to the grains of sand in alij and he performs the salat ja'far al-tayyar then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive their sins the same expression salat ja'far is a little bit longer but that's one of the benefits of salat ja'far al-tayyar in any case so here you have the beauty of this hadith. There are beautiful conditions mentioned here. We've talked about the conditions, right? You remember the two big conditions. For knowledge to be Islamic, it means that it's acquired with the right intent, with sincerity, and it's transformational. It affects you so that it leads to action. Here the Holy Prophet, yes, the Holy Prophet is mentioning Two examples of these conditions. So this person is seeking knowledge. He doesn't say what type of knowledge, but he's telling us the purpose of seeking the knowledge. What is the purpose here? This is someone who wants to improve himself. I seek knowledge so that I become a better person. Or two, this is a person who acquires knowledge for the sake of the next generations. This is the kind of awareness, this is the kind of responsibility this person feels. That I have to acquire knowledge so that I can pass it down to, so that I can improve the state of those who are younger, those who are not even born yet, those who will come after me. I will seek knowledge to help them. Great rewards the Holy Prophet is talking about, but it's also a great Intent. Many of those who acquire knowledge, if you were to really dig in their heart, is this the reason why they're acquiring the knowledge? So that I improve myself and I can pass it down to the next generation so that they are better. And we saw earlier there was another condition mentioned or another reason mentioned before to revive. Imam Ali salam says, the one who seeks knowledge to revive Islam, to bring Islam back to life. The effect of Islam in a community, in society. You seek knowledge to improve 
It's not religion. Religion is, is something theoretical and abstract. It's how people practice it. It's how people understand it. If your knowledge seeking is for that purpose, see the noble purposes. That's the intent. The next hadith, again, there is no ambiguity. There is no difficulty, I think, in understanding it from the Holy Prophet ﷺ. He says, طَلَبُ الْعِلْمِ أَفْضَلُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ the seeking of knowledge is preferable according to God and Allah min as-salati was-siyami wal-hajji wal-jihadi fi sabilillah. So all of it wrapped up in one hadith. The seeking of knowledge is preferable according to God to prayer, to fasting, to pilgrimage, to striving or struggling for or in the way of God. So again, why? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not award these rewards, these benefits. He does not award them in a random way. There has to be a reason that is making the seeking of knowledge this important. To the point where, and there's two ways to understand this hadith. You might say, seeking of knowledge is better than prayer. Seeking of knowledge is better than pilgrimage. Or you can say, it's better than all of them combined. Because the hadith is saying, Basically, the entire worship acts of someone are on one side of the scale and on the other side, it's seeking knowledge. And seeking knowledge is greater. How come? What's going on here? Okay, the next. And here is where the Holy Prophet gives us the reason. But it requires some thinking. The Holy Prophet says, طَلَبُ الْعِلْمِ أَفْضَلُ مِنَ الْعِبَادَةِ The seeking of knowledge is better than worship. قَالَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ Seeking knowledge is better than worship. God Almighty has said, Yet truly, those who fear God from among His servants are only those who have knowledge. This is the purpose of your existence is that you understand your relationship to God. You understand God. And you act accordingly. And the only way to do that is not just by standing and performing a prayer. Because that's just a physical act. That's just a ritual. It's not just going and walking around a building called Kaaba, And your walk around it is called Tawaf. That in itself is just a ritual. That's a mechanical act. What is it doing to you internally? Well, it depends on your knowledge. Depending on your knowledge, then your prayer is going to mean something or not. Depending on your knowledge, when you recite the Qur'an, it means something or not. Your pilgrimage is going to mean something or not. You understand the reason why there is no way to compare between the knowledge and the act of worship that you're performing. Of course, we have to add a lot of caveats to this, but this is the spirit of the matter. And the Holy Prophet summarized it here in one reference to the Holy Quran. It's only from among all the servants of God, it is only those who have knowledge who truly fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Only they know that they need to fear and how to fear God. To the extent that you have knowledge, you will fear God. 
These two are, there's an equal sign between them based on this verse. In any case, we could spend the whole lecture on this uh, ayah. And I'm looking at the time. We have a few ahadith. I think we can still finish. If you give me maybe 10 minutes, we can wrap it up so that we are done with this. The next hadith from the Holy Prophet he says, طلب العلم ساعة خير من قيام ليلة وطلب العلم يوما خير من صيام ثلاثة أشهر Seeking knowledge for one hour is better than staying up a night in worship. And seeking knowledge for a day is better than fasting three months. Why am I saying this hadith specifically? I don't say the hadith to repeat the same notions. There's always something different. First of all, here you see the difference between Qiyam al-Layl and Siyam Thalathati Ashhar. We see the value between different acts of worship. It's the same act, right? So you see the merit of seeking knowledge. That part is clear. You also see the great importance of the night worship. The night worship is much greater. It's as though the Holy Prophet is saying the night worship here for one, one night is equivalent to one hour of knowledge seeking and perhaps that same time or a little bit longer is equivalent to three months of fasting. The same knowledge seeking or similar knowledge seeking is equivalent to three months of fasting or one night of worship. So you see the importance of worshiping at night. It's equivalent to what? That's one Secondary meaning from this hadith. The second point I want to get at from this hadith is that now we're starting to see very different rewards. We had other rewards that were mentioned. The Holy Prophet was saying you sit for one hour in front of a scholar. There was more reward than this. As great as this reward is. Others mentioned that all of your sins will be wiped out. Others said that it's as though you worshipped for a year. Here now it's one night, three months, what's going on? Okay, keep that in mind. The next hadith from the Holy Prophet The Holy Prophet says, the one who goes out seeking a chapter of knowledge. Again, so I don't want to repeat. This is not someone who acquired the knowledge yet. This is someone who left their home, left their house with the intent of acquiring the knowledge. With the intent of seeking knowledge. That enough is enough. But what's their intent here? Why? Why does this person feel what is compelling them? If you were to dig in their heart, what is the reason that makes them want to seek knowledge? So this person, in order to push back against a wrong or to make it right and make it right or a misguidance and push it towards guidance. This is someone who wants to do social work, fix, correct social issues. 
in the world that they live in, they see wrongs, they see misguidance, and they want to fix it. And they feel that in order to fix it, they need to seek knowledge. They need more knowledge to be able to perform this work. If this is the intent, and this is the purpose of this person, then the Holy Prophet says, as soon as they leave their home, in order to seek that knowledge, this action of his is equivalent to the worship of a worshiper. So this is not some random person. This is a true worshiper. Those people who never stop worshiping. The worship of a worshiper for 40 years. The intent and the beginning of his act to seek knowledge is equivalent to all of this reward. So again, here we have really good examples of when we talked about we have to have good intentions, sincere intentions when we're seeking knowledge. We're seeing some of these examples. Okay. The confirmation of these great merits. In this hadith, the Holy Prophet ﷺ talks to Abu Dhar. He tells him, Ya Abu Dhar, Al-Julusu sa'atan inda mudhakaratil ilm Ahabbu ila Allahi min qiyam alf ruk'ah والجلوس ساعة عند مذاكرة العلم أحب إلى الله من ألف غزوة وقراءة القرآن كله. So the Holy Prophet says, O oh Abu Dhar, sitting for an hour to study knowledge is more beloved to God than performing 1,000 rak'ah of prayer and preferable to participating in 1,000 battles or reciting the entire Quran. So Abu Dhar I thought this hadith is extremely important and extremely interesting. Abu Dhar says, قال يا رسول الله مذاكرة العلم خير من قراءة القرآن كله He did not question the two other things the Holy Prophet said. The Holy Prophet said it's more than one hour of studying knowledge is more than 1,000 rak'ah no, 1,000 battles no, reciting the entirety of the Qur'an. So Abu, ba- Abu uh, Dhar, عليه, what does he question? He questions the thing that to him is the greatest, the most unbelievable in this. He says, studying for one hour, studying knowledge for one hour is greater than reading the entire Qur'an. So the Holy Prophet says, فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ يَا أَبَا ذَرْ الجلوس ساعة عند مذاكرة العلم أحب إلى الله من قراءة القرآن كله إثني عشر ألف مرة At first the Holy Prophet did not add the qualifier but when he saw that Abu Dhar was questioning how one hour of seeking knowledge can be better than reading the whole Quran what did the Holy Prophet say? He repeated studying Knowledge for one hour is equivalent to or better than in the eyes of God than reciting the Holy Quran, which is what he said at first. Now he added 12,000 times in its entirety. And then the Holy Prophet added, Alaykum bi mudhakaratil ilm, fa'inna bil ilm ta'arafuna al halala wal haram. يا أبا ذر الجلوس ساعة عند مذاكرة العلم خير لك من عبادة سنة صيام نهارها وقيام ليلها 
والنظر إلى وجه العالم خير لك من عتق ألف رقبة So the Holy Prophet added So therefore study knowledge for it is through it that you shall know what to do and what not to do what is permissible, what is not permissible how you ought to live, how you ought not to live studying knowledge for an hour is better for you than a full year of worship fasting its days and standing in prayer in its nights and contemplation in the face of a scholar is better for you than freeing 1,000 slaves I don't know what else we can say to show the importance, the rewards, the merits of seeking knowledge okay so that's the first point the second point here we can say which type of worship and here I think we start getting hints and maybe I'm going to keep that till, till the end I'll read the, the two last hadith that we have and I'll, I'll come back to these points Actually, we can wrap it up with one hadith from the Holy Prophet He says, "Man zara aliman, fakannama zarani, wa man safha aliman, fakannama safhani, wa man jalas aliman, fakannama jalasani, wa man jalasani fi dunya ujlisuhu maghi yom al qiyamah." So, if someone visits a scholar, it is as though they have visited me. Now. Here, this hadith has to be read very carefully. The Holy Prophet is not praising the scholar. He is praising the seeker of knowledge, the one who is going to the scholar. Okay, Even though in this first part, the Holy Prophet is saying, the scholar is like me. If you are going with right intentions to this person, it's as though you're coming to me. Okay, So this is the merit of the scholar here, but the point of the hadith is not to praise the scholar. He's praising the seeker of knowledge the one going to the scholar. It is as though they have visited me, and whoever shakes the hand of a scholar, it's as though they have shook my hand. And whoever sits before a scholar or with a scholar, it is as though they, they have sat with me. And if someone sits with me in this world, I will seat him with me on the day of judgment. That's the first part of the hadith. Okay? Then the Holy Prophet continues. فَإِذَا جَاءَ الْمَوْتِ يَطْلُبُ صَاحِبَ الْعِلْمِ وَهُوَ يَطْلُبُ الْعِلْمِ مَا تَشَهِيدًا And we covered this. If death comes to the person who is a seeker of knowledge while they are in a state of seeking knowledge, when the يُكْرِمْ صَدِيقِي And if someone wants to please me or to secure my pleasure, my satisfaction, قَالُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ مَنْ صَدِيقُكْ Who's your friend? O Messenger of God, قَالَ صَدِيقِي طَالِبُ الْعِلْمِ My friend is the seeker of knowledge. By becoming the seeker of knowledge, you become the friend of the Holy Prophet The seeker of knowledge is more beloved to me than the angels. وَمَنْ أَكْرَمَهُ فَقَدْ أَكْرَمَنِي وَمَنْ أَكْرَمَنِي فَقَدْ أَكْرَمَ اللَّهِ وَمَنْ أَكْرَمَ اللَّهِ فَلَهُ الْجَنَّةِ Whoever honors this person, that's one way to say أَكْرَمَنِي Another is to say whoever shows generosity towards this person, it is as though they have shown generosity towards me. 
or they have honored me. And whoever honors me, they have honored God. And whoever honors God, they have, or paradise belongs to them. There is nothing as beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than this knowledge. The Holy Prophet says, and the study of knowledge is more preferable or more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One hour of studying knowledge is preferable or more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the worship of 10,000 years. The numbers don't even make sense anymore to us. And blessed be, that's a whole discussion. And blessed be, what does Tuba mean? Blessed be, or Tuba may be to the one who is a seeker of knowledge on the day of resurrection. So I want to say some comments and we'll finish with this. These two hadith, these two last ones. The first one to Abu Dhar and the second one. And these are perhaps the clearest ones of the hadith where there is an incredible amount of reward being attributed to the seeker of knowledge. So they are the, the ones that personify this discussion the most. So we need to start by saying if knowledge is this much more important then, then what type of knowledge are we talking about? We're not going to question, we're going to come back to that next. First, what type of knowledge, assuming that this is the reward, what type of knowledge or knowledge seeking do I need to do so that I get these rewards? And here this is a a really important discussion that we need to have with ourselves. In the majority of cases, we could flip this question. Because in these hadith, knowledge is being compared to what? Knowledge is being compared to worship. So we can ask the question, what worship? Knowledge seeking is better than prayer. Knowledge-seeking is better than pilgrimage. Knowledge-seeking is better than charity. These are acts of worship. What act of worship is so incomparable to the knowledge-seeking? We need to think about the acts of worship themselves. If I perform my prayer, but there's absolutely no inner contemplation, they're just mechanical acts, the prayer has no effect on me whatsoever. I just move up and down, left and right. I stand, I sit, rukur, sujood, done. I go through my fast, I don't eat, I don't drink all day, and then I eat and drink at night. And the same thing for every act of ritual that we have in our religion. If this is just going through the motions, they have absolutely no effect on me. They do not affect me in any shape or form. They don't help me become a better person. It doesn't help, help me understand myself, my relationship with God, my relationship with other people. Nothing changes. It's not transformational. 
which is the point of worship. It's empty worship. And why is it empty? Because based on everything we said, it's empty worship because there's no knowledge. This is worship lacking knowledge. So does it have any worth? It has no worth. The Holy Prophet saying this worship has no worth. Do you still have to perform it? Yes, 100%. You are a servant of God and God said perform it, so you perform it. One way or another, you still have to perform it. There's a legal duty. You must make sure that you are observing and honoring your legal duty. But is it having a benefit? No. What will have a benefit? Acquiring the knowledge that is going to give meaning to these acts of worship. If something has a lot of value, then you want to compare it to something else. Yes, you may say it's one-to-one, -one, they're close. But if something has absolutely no value, well, it's very easy for it to, for the hadith to say that 1,000 of this is now equal to one. One million of this is now equal to one. It has no value. It has no merit. It doesn't represent anything. And on the other side, you're actually taking the steps to give value to this. And this is something you're stuck with. This is necessary. This has to happen. So any step you take to give significance and value to this is going to have an incredible worth. And this is the key to understanding this whole discussion. Otherwise, if you want to focus on the numbers, you're going to say that the numbers don't make any sense. Okay, that's the first point. So the key here is understanding that the acts of worship themselves, they're acquiring their meaning through the knowledge. The acts of worship, their quality, their merit is going to be elevated by the acquisition of knowledge, by the seeking of knowledge. The conditions for this, I think we were clear. I don't want to go back to them. We saw a lot of them. What do you have to meet? You have to meet two conditions that we spoke about and we saw the examples of them. All of this knowledge seeking has to be with sincere intent, and it has to be something that affects you spiritually and it will show in your actions. And we saw the examples. You want to revive Islam. You want to improve yourself. You want to improve those who will come after you. You want to right a wrong. You want to guide a misguidance. Right? These are the examples we saw. This is a type of knowledge seeking. If your knowledge seeking falls in those categories, then you're on the right path. Okay? There's a hadith here that is a little bit more clear that I didn't read, but to me it explains the point that I just talked about. The Holy Prophet was a little bit more, a lot of the hadith that we saw, they didn't qualify the knowledge. It just said, seek knowledge. What knowledge? It didn't say anything. We have an example of a hadith, and there's a lot of them. One example, the Holy Prophet is also talking to Abu Dhar. He tells him, Ya Abu Dhar, لَإِن تَغْدُوا فَتَعَلَّمَ آيَةً مِنْ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنْ أَنْ تُصَلِّيَ مَا أَتْرُكَعَهِ وَلَأَنْ تَغْدُوا فَتَعَلَّمَ بَابًا مِنَ الْعِلْمِ خَيْرٌ مِنْ أَنْ تُصَلِّيَ أَلْفْرَكَعَهِ He tells Abu Dhar, if you were to spend the day learning one verse of the Qur'an, 
What does it mean to learn one verse of the Quran? Does he mean that you memorized it? No. It means you understand that verse. And this is what we mean. By a lot of what we're talking about, it has to be knowledge that is going to give meaning to these rituals. If you have no meaning behind the rituals, then the rituals are worthless. Spend that time learning the meaning of that verse. That is better than performing 100 rakat. Or spend the time learning a chapter of knowledge that will affect your worship and it will be worth the 1,000 rakat. Okay? The few more points. Which knowledge seeking? Everything in our religion falls in five categories. Right? You know them. It's either halal or haram or makruh or mustahab or mubah. Right? Permissible, non-permissible. Neutral, recommended and encouraged or discouraged and non-recommended. Therefore, when we look at anything, there's probably a way to understand it through the five categories. We're comparing two things here. We're comparing knowledge and worship in all of these ahadith. Which means that I could look at knowledge and say, knowledge may fall under five headings. Knowledge may be haram. Knowledge may be halal. Wajib. Makruh, mustahab, mubah. Knowledge may be something that I have to learn. For instance, learning how to pray. That's wajib. Learning how to perform wudu. That's wajib. I cannot live my life as a Muslim without having that knowledge. That is wajib knowledge. There's knowledge that may be haram. I learn something that will lead to me doing haram. And they say, مُقَدِّمَةِ الْحَرَامِ حَرَامِ That which leads to a haram is a haram. If I'm going to learn something that will get me to perform an act of haram, then that is a haram. That's haram knowledge seeking. I learn how to hack so that I steal money online. That knowledge is haram if I steal. I may use it for much better, much loftier, nobler purposes. That's different. But I learn haram to perform a haram. That's haram. That's two harams. The learning was a haram and the performing of the haram was a haram. Okay? It may be neutral. I learn an absolutely useless piece of knowledge. That's neutral. It's mubah. You're just wasting your time, entertaining yourself, whatever it may be. It could also be recommended and it could also be makruh. The same thing can be said about acts of worship. There are acts of worship that are wajib. You have to perform your prayer. You have to perform your pilgrimage. You have to fast your, your month of fasting. And there are some that this is not the time. If someone is drowning, it would be haram to stand there and start performing a prayer. That would be haram. It's an act of worship, but you can't do that. You have to go save the person drowning. That's the wajib. This is haram. 
It could be neutral. It could be the right time to do it or not. If you have the choice, it could be recommended and it could be makruh. There's a priority, but you can still do it. So if you multiply those five scenarios by those five scenarios, that gives you 25 different scenarios where you have to see, do I seek knowledge? Is seeking knowledge better? And given priority or performing the act of worship? What do we mean? So act of worship, wajib. Seeking knowledge, wajib. I have to do both. I probably have to give priority to the ritual because it's time sensitive. Probably. Depending on. Maybe the knowledge seeking is time sensitive. I don't know. But I'm, if you want to come up with scenarios. You want to compare a wajib knowledge seeking with a mustahab act of ritual. No, no. Go learn your knowledge. Between standing and performing raka'at upon raka'at of prayer, but you're not sure whether God exists, there's an issue. You're not sure about imamah, you're not sure about the afterlife, about prophethood, about the Holy Quran. Go learn your religion first. That's much more important than performing the acts of worship. Unless they are wajib, perform the wajib. And we could go through the entire grid this way. We're saying all of this why? Because someone may come back and say, we are saying, do not spend your time performing acts of worship. Don't perform rituals. Just seek knowledge. Only knowledge matters. That's not what we're saying at all. We cannot be Muslims without rituals. The rituals are built into our religion. The wajib remains a wajib. We are not even saying, so that I am clear, these ahadith are not saying replace rituals and worship with knowledge seeking. These ahadith are simply encouraging people to seek knowledge by understanding its merit and value. There are things that you get, there are benefits and rewards that you get from the acts of worship that you cannot get in any other way. And we went through the belief series. We said that it's the acts of worship that are going to anchor belief in your heart. The belief will go away without the acts of worship, the repetition of the ritual. The role of worship is not to be replaced by knowledge-seeking. You cannot replace the prayer with knowledge-seeking. You cannot replace the recitation of the Holy Qur'an with knowledge-seeking. You cannot replace giving charity with, with knowledge-seeking. The benefits and the rewards of those acts of worship, they are intact, they remain as is, and they are all necessary. We're just saying, make sure you also incorporate a very good dose of knowledge seeking in your day, in your week, in your month, in your life program. Because the benefits and the rewards you get, they are unmatched by anything else. The problem with a lot of us is that we're lazy. And we procrastinate. And we don't manage our time. And we lack discipline. And we don't know how to commit. So that one little tiny ounce of energy that we have 
Now I want to decide, well, that tiny amount of energy, I'm going to give God five minutes today. Do I give it to Him through one prayer or do I give it to Him through knowledge seeking? If this is how you want to see the world, yeah, we're going to have an issue. The truth is, you most likely have time and energy for both. You should not be choosing, do I perform an act of worship or do I seek knowledge? Do both. There's a story, there's a man who was a seeker of knowledge. He was a mu'ammam. In the time of Sheikh al-Ansari. Sheikh al-Ansari is considered by many to be our greatest jurist in the history of tashayyu'. He, he is the greatest fiqhi mind. You know, in science they say the greatest scientific mind is probably Newton. They say Sheikh al-Ansari is the greatest fiqhi mind. Some say he's maybe in the top two or three by consensus and most likely he is the top. And you have to really read his books and understand to what extent he mastered fiqh. In any case, there's someone who came to Sheikh al-Ansari. I'm guessing it's one of his students. And he asked him, he told him, Sheikh, very late at night, I am struggling between two things. Do I perform the night prayer or do I sit and study? Very tough question. This is what act is more sacred in the middle of the night? This is the hour of tahajjud. This is the hour of performing your late night prayer. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. So which one do you do? Do I perform an act of worship or do I study? Sheikh al-Ansari, his answer was very direct to this specific student. This student had a habit. He spent a lot of his nights and a lot of time smoking, today we would say shisha, smoking ergile. Sheikh al-Ansari told him, the question is not whether you should perform and choose between performing a night prayer and seeking knowledge. The question should be when will you decide what is more important, the ergile or the other options that you gave? The issue is not between the two. You should have time and energy for both the prayer and the knowledge seeking. One does not replace the other. Both are important. Our issues is usually not having to choose. Our schedules are not so full and difficult that we absolutely have to choose this specific minute is going to be spent in worship or knowledge seeking. Both are necessary. You cannot replace one. You say, I, I did my knowledge seeking today. I don't need to do any Quran recitation. One does not replace the other. You need to do both. The issue is you're probably doing other things that are taking away your energy and your time. And now the little energy and time you have left, you're asking yourself, where do I put it? There's a mismanagement and a lack of, commu- a lack of commitment here. Okay. So inshallah, I'm not going to go any further. We'll continue the next time with the next heading, inshallah. But with this, we wrapped up the topic of the ingredients of the learner in Islam. So inshallah, starting 
The next time that we meet, we'll recap quickly, and then we'll enter into the discussion around the teacher in Islam. Wassallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin. So we're done, but if there are questions, concerns, comments, I'm always happy to take them. Just uh, as a comment, uh, we can see how the uh, acquiring of knowledge and uh, having knowledge in the acts of worship is so important throughout these hadiths. And we see that the probably what we can call as the worst of um, uh, creatures, maybe in the Quran, as it says, uh, that the, the one that's that, that's that, that does not uh, use his aqad, uh, or the one that is ignorant, as we spoke about jahil, uh, I think in, in uh, within uh, the Islamic history we can see of those who worshipped a lot and uh, did not have uh, the uh, the correct knowledge or even any knowledge. And in, in the cases of uh, our imams, they were the probably uh, those that um, uh, gave the most difficulties, uh, specifically, for instance, to Imam Ali alayhi salam with uh, the case of the Khawarij. So that's uh, a thought that came to my mind on uh, if we were to apply these principles of knowing what we are doing and why we're doing it, then um, it, it's, uh, it could um, work to revive Islam and, uh, and be of a great reward to us. Asantum. So th the point is the it's again the the meaning and the significance behind the acts of worship comes from knowledge, and we see it through the history of our imams that everybody was worshiping, and everybody was performing the rituals, and yet the same people who are performing the salah are coming to kill Imam Al Hussein right? So this is what we're talking about or the people who stood against Imam Ali السلام, and they killed him at the end and they were known to be you know in general as a group we won't talk about specific ones but as a group Al-Khawarij were known to be very big worshippers the greatest worshippers of their time were Khawarij they were memorizers of the Quran They some of them called them the Jibah Sud, right they had the black foreheads because they performed sujood so much and so on and so forth Yep, they stood against Imam Ali السلام, and conspired to kill him. And they were a tool easily used by Muawiyah in his time. And he continued to use them afterwards. So excellent points. And uh, so that, that's definitely one point, inshallah, we'll mention in the recap. The one point I left out, I, I wanted to hint to it when I was reading the hadith, but I don't want to leave it hanging because initially I thought we'll talk about it next time, but maybe in one minute, very quickly. Part of the reason why you see this contradiction between the ahadith, because I left the question hanging. In one hadith, you see the reward for one hour is this. In another hadith, the reward for the same hour is something different. Maybe one key is given to us in the hadith where the Holy Prophet is talking to Abu Dhar. Suddenly with Abu Dhar, we saw the greatest reward, including one hour of knowledge seeking equivalent to 12,000 times reciting the Holy Quran, right? Why? Because he's talking to Abu Dhar. And his hour of knowledge seeking is perhaps not my hour of knowledge seeking. 
the 12,000 times of recitation of the Holy Quran may not apply to me. Because my hour of knowledge seeking does not do the same effect internally on me as it does to Abu Dhar. You understand the difference? So there's a quality of what I'm acquiring, but there's the quality of who is acquiring it. It's not just about the knowledge that I seek. It's about the benefit of that knowledge internally on me. Who am I to fully benefit from this knowledge? Do I benefit like the next person? Or are they someone who is more pure, who is more open, who is more ready to benefit from that knowledge? Then to them, it will be 10 times, 100 times, 1000 times more beneficial that one hour of knowledge than it is to me. And that's why there is maybe seemingly a contradiction between the ahadith. It's not a contradiction. It's all of these are options. Depending on how much you will benefit from that hour of knowledge, then it's going to be all of those rewards and all of that merit and significance. I just didn't want to leave it hanging because I said there might be a contradiction earlier. Okay? So I think it's late enough. So let's stop here inshallah and next time we meet. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi tayyibin al-tahirin.